I remember my mother, my mother had her legs amputated. She was a diabetic, had her legs amputated, and she would, I was sitting by her bedside one time, one night, and she's grimacing in pain, and she's reaching for her leg. Mm. But, of course, it's not there. She couldn't touch it. She couldn't put a finger on it because mm-hmm. it's, it, it's not there. But yet and still, she was feeling pain mm. from a leg that wasn't there. And I was like, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, she said it's called phantom pains. Mm. And a lot of times people are walking around, they're experiencing phantom pains. They can't really put a finger on what the issue really is. But all they know is they're hurting. Mm -hmm. That's all they know. And they're reacting to the pain. My mom was grimacing from a pain of something that was not even there. Wow. So the pain was real. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people end up. They end up in this place where no answers. But yet and still, the pain is there. The pain is real but they can't put their finger on it. So they're experiencing these phantom pains. Welcome to Through the Eyes of Trauma, an inner ear agency production, where we engage in discussions regarding the impact that childhood trauma has on education, life, and living. This podcast seeks to help listeners realize the widespread impact of trauma, recognize how it is impacting the students, adults, and families, respond in a way that facilitates healing and to actively resist re-traumatization. Join us as we tackle the hard conversations, but give tools and strategies to help you cope and begin your journey towards regulation by healing first and educating always. To receive professional development, consulting, and childhood trauma intervention services, please visit us at innerearagency.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-E-A-R-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. Let's get into the conversation. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Through the Eyes of Trauma. I'm your host, Dr. Smith, and today we have an incredibly important and informative episode lined up for you. We'll be diving deep into the world of Adverse Childhood Experiences, or ACEs, and we're doing so through the lens of Kirk Franklin's story of finding his biological father and the feelings of neglect he experienced as a child. Today, our special guest is Derek Smith, host of Man Talk Monday's podcast. Welcome, Derek Smith. Thank you for having me, Dr. Smith. It's a pleasure to be on with you once again. I really appreciate you being here for this um, important topic. But before we start, our essential question is how can we effectively support those with adverse childhood experiences or ACEs and minimize the long-term impact on their lives? So Kirk Franklin's journey is a compelling example of how childhood trauma can have far-reaching effects on our adult relationships and even perpetrate intergenerational trauma, which is what we saw that's going on through him his um, and his son. Yeah, and hopefully... By now, you've seen this, and if you haven't seen 
this documentary. It's a short documentary on YouTube. You definitely want to check it out Absolutely. and really get some context for this conversation as well. But it is very powerful, very impactful. I think it's it's a must see. Absolutely. For those of you who don't know who Kirk Franklin is, he's a renowned gospel artist who is not just known for his powerful music, but also for his remarkable journey of healing and resilience. Many may not be aware that his childhood experiences place him at risk for numerous adverse childhood experiences. So ACEs are potentially traumatic events that occur during childhood, such as violence, abuse, neglect, or growing up in a family with mental health or substance abuse problems or issues. These experiences can profoundly affect brain development and how the body responds to stress with far-reaching consequences. And a lot of times it's because these children or um, individuals have experienced these things. When they grow up later in life, they have more risky behaviors, right? Because they have um, this sense of, of trauma that they've experienced and they have not received healing from it or for it and have not even known where to start right and so I think it's powerful that he's even starting this healing process because his journey of healing and reconciliation with his father is a powerful example of how individuals can take steps towards healing and breaking the cycle of intergenerational trauma it also shows that it's never too late to address the effects of childhood trauma this is a 53 year old man who is just now really being able to sit down and kind of address the the things that he's experienced or been exposed to and start healing it yeah i think the timing is crazy when you look at it you say 53 years old mm-hmm. here he is he's lived this long and he's just finding his father and all of the questions that he's grown up with, all the things that he had in his mind uh, growing up and even into adulthood and places where he thought he had resolution that was a real resolution. And now all of a sudden the opportunity comes for him to get true resolution at 53 years old. That's, that's remarkable. It is. And And even knowing the fact that for those people who don't understand ACEs, ACEs has a score to it, right? So the more things that you've experienced as a child or the more exposures that you've had as a child um, of abuse and neglect and rejection, the more, the higher your ACE score becomes, right? And, and when you understand that your, the, the number of your ACE score directly reflects your behavior as an adult then you kind of can do the backwards look of the cause and effect relationships. It almost yeah. gives you an example of this is why I behave this way. You know, yeah. because I experienced this, this is why I behave this way. And kind of knowing the cause and effect relationship between right. your experiences and your behaviors allows you to do the healing because you know, now you have a place to begin when you're talking to a therapist or when you, when you're beginning the healing Mm -hmm. process, you kind of understand that your behavior is not a willy nilly behavior. It's tied to a response to something that you've experienced knowingly or unknowingly. And it affects the adult person that you become. You know, they say hindsight is, is 2020. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I remember my mother, my mother had her, legs amputated she was a diabetic had her legs amputated and she would I was sitting by her bedside one time 
one night and she's grimacing in pain and she's reaching for her leg. Mm. But of course, it's not there. She couldn't touch it. She couldn't put a finger on it because mm-hmm. it's, it, it's not there. But yet and still, she was feeling pain mm. from a leg that wasn't there. And I was like, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, she said it called phantom pains. Mm. And a lot of times people are walking around, they're experiencing phantom pains. They can't really put a finger on what the issue really is. But all they know is they're hurting. Mm-hmm. That's all they know. And they're reacting to the pain. My mom was grimacing from a pain of something that was not even there. Wow. So the pain was real. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people end up. They end up in this place where no answers, but yet and still the pain is there. The pain is real, but they can't put their finger on it. So they experiencing these phantom pains, um, especially mentally. And to finally put your finger on it, to finally have the light come on, it's easier to fight w- with the light on when, you know what I'm saying? If you in the dark, you just punching mm-hmm. and you don't know if you hitting the right thing or not. But once the light comes on, you are empowered to, to fight in a targeted manner and discovering the issues and the, the source of the issues gives you that, that place to fight from where you can actually win. I, I agree with that. Uh, Kurt Franklin, in his, in his documentary, he spoke about his pain finally having purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And he talked about being homeless, how he survived death several times, um, how he's a 19, grand, he won 19 Grammy Awards, had mm-hmm. to bathe in a church restroom, had no birthday parties, felt alone the majority of his life and was raised alone but then with this thing with with him experiencing being able to find his father or find where he comes from that he finally realized there was purpose in that pain yes you know what i'm yes. saying and i think that is there there's a lot of of depth to that for people who are who are experiencing this pain of not having not having the love that they felt they were supposed to have from a parent, mm-hmm. you know, or a guardian, not having just the things that that people like us who not who didn't necessarily grow up with neglect, right, or right. rejection, who who not experiencing those things, but they have this this pain that you talk about, but they just don't know where it's coming from, right? They don't right. understand what experiences they they've had. Because maybe their parents didn't share with them, mm-hmm. you know, what they've been exposed to, or what they've experienced. But I think knowing, knowing allows you to put into perspective, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Right. The reason for the pain or even a way to be able to heal from that pain. Because you got to think about it. When you have an illness mm-hmm. and, and they don't know where this illness is coming from, they don't understand the cause of this illness. You go to right. the doctor, they don't understand the cause of it. They can't treat you. They can't really help you. They can take, like you said, a stab in the dark, but they don't really have 
a plan of action or a course of action to be able to, to treat you or to help you heal until they understand the cause of the mm-hmm. illness, right? right? And that's what's happening with those who experience high numbers of ACEs, those who experience a lot of toxic stress and trauma. If they have not identified the cause of it, yes, it's hard to find help to treat it. It's when you go to to therapists and you talk to a therapist, their job is kind of to to talk you through it and help you to kind of bring up the things that you've experienced and and been exposed to and kind of help you navigate the cause of the feelings that you're having and the cause of the struggle that you're having just to help you to be able to navigate towards healing. Right. To Mm -hmm. navigate towards um, finding ways to treat this issue that you have or this pain that you have and find ways to, to heal and be able to live. Right. Right. Once you have a diagnosis, then treatment becomes more targeted mm-hmm. and the, the chances of dealing with it is increased. Um, I think what you have a lot of times is I think the difference between knowing what's what's where it's coming from, the source, having a proper diagnosis and just Learning how to deal, I think it's it's healing versus pain management. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are stuck in pain management when they don't have answers to questions that they need answers to. It's just pain management. But true healing comes when you get those answers. Because there's a difference in finding out why and then understanding that I'll never know why and this is just what I have to deal with. So let me figure out how to deal with this in a healthy way. So those are those are two different things. And depending on what the person has gone through, if it's possible for them to get answers, then it's better for them to get the answers that they need. But if for some reason they don't have access to get the answers, maybe somebody actually died holding the answers to mm. questions that they then now it just becomes pain management. And depending on where you are, I think it's important to to locate yourself and understand which one you're dealing with. Absolutely. ACEs are a critical area of study because they can have a profound impact on a child's development and well-being. And so let's get into some data real quick. The data shows that children who experience ACEs are oftentimes faced with challenges in emotional regulation with forming healthy relationships and even physical health issues later in life. And so, like I said earlier, the higher your ACE score, the higher the likelihood of developing long-term health problems like heart disease, stroke, cancer, and diabetes. People fail to realize that things that you allow your children to be exposed to or to Mm -hmm. experience as far as feelings of neglect, abuse, seeing you being neglected or abused by someone, a mental health issue in a parent or Mm -hmm. a substance abuse issue in a parent. All of those things could possibly cause health issues in your child later on in life because of the way it affects your body, because of the way stress is housed in the body and, and has, you know, hormones pumping differently and just making sure and making your body just become susceptible to to illnesses and to diseases. And so we have to figure out how can we make sure that those people who are suffering from ACEs feel like they are, are 
a part of a community that not well, number one cares, right? That cares right. and that's trying to help them to get through it and to help them to be able to find ways to emotionally self-regulate so mm-hmm. that they don't always experience these highs, you know what I mean? These um, intense big emotions because that's what causes the health issues having these high these high moments of anxiety of depression and strictly because of things that they've experienced as children that they have not worked through and so i think making sure our listeners have a better understanding of aces and their long-term effects um is important for this podcast right giving them trauma-sensitive approaches to addressing aces for not only like for teachers in the classroom but for also for parents at home yeah, when you when you look at it, cause when you're talking about when you st- we're stuck in this heightened sense, mm-hmm. it's like you're stuck in overdrive. I remember I was driving a car one time and I was new to driving and, you know, you have drive and then you have a couple of other gears. Mm-hmm. Right. Those other gears are for the purpose of helping you when the engine needs a little bit more boost of power. Mm-hmm to maybe get out of the mud or get out of some situation where the car has to, it needs a little something extra, but it will damage the engine. If you drive regular with those high gears and when you have these heightened states for extended periods of time, it's like shifting and, and doing regular driving in those high gears that weren't, designed for that Mm -hmm. they're designed specifically for situations where you need a little something extra to so you can get back to the place to where you can just drive regular but if you're stuck in that gear you can damage the engine and a lot of people's engines are being damaged Mm -hmm. because they're stuck in this high gear of anxiety and fear and depression and stuff and they can't regulate. They can't come down to, they don't even know what regular feels like. Right. And that's the sad indictment. When you just look at society, you look at all that goes on from the family secrets to, I mean, just all this type of stuff. And people never consider how all of that impacts you, even physically. Right. And as as an adult, it it impacts your relationships as adults, right? And Kirk Franklin's search for his father and the feelings of neglect he grappled with in his childhood and those experiences are ones that many people can relate to, right? It's essential to recognize that these early experiences in life can significantly impact our self-perception and then the way we engage in relationships as adults. He said in the documentary, I don't even know if I know how to love my wife correctly Mm. because I don't even know if I know how to love myself correctly just because now what I thought was my, my childhood is not really what it was because he thought somebody else was his, you know, his biological right. person right. and just the different things that he's experienced. So it, it shows you that it also affects you in adulthood in your adult relationships. I think it, it, it probably affects you a whole lot worse because there's this thing of arrested development. You didn't develop emotionally and even mentally when you were young, mm-hmm. because you didn't have everything 
that you needed. You, if you take a child and just your physical sustenance, I mean, just food, having nutrients, a child that does not get the right nutrients physically, they don't grow right. Mm-hmm. I remember there were, there was an instance, I don't know if it was a movie I was watching or if it was actual news report. It may have been an actual news report, but there was a child that had been neglected severely, hadn't been fed properly in the whole nine. And the child looked like he was maybe five or six, but he was really like 10 or 12 Mm -hmm. because he didn't have or wasn't getting those, the real sustenance he needed to grow. Mm -hmm. And emotionally, we get starved emotionally. We don't get what we need and we get stuck in a development. Mm -hmm. And so that they call it the inner child, right? That whole inner child thing, you, the rational adult and the, what's, I forgot what it's. The mature adult. The mature adult. Anyway, but that, that child is still crying out and that child is, looking for answers that child is still kind of running the show the inner child is kind of running the show and what you think you're dealing with on on the outside although this is a full-grown physically a full-grown adult that inner child is who you're actually dealing with Mm -hmm. so emotionally they're acting out just just like a child would but like you would expect a child to act out but they're an adult and so you don't know how to take that because you're like, you're supposed to know better. You're supposed to be grown, this, that, and the other. And it's that inner child, but that inner child got stuck. Mm-hmm. But that's why I think it's it's so important to to know who you're dealing with, to know your people, know your, your children, your students, but to understand their experience, especially if you're going to be in a relationship with somebody, right? Because you are thinking that you are dealing with a grown man or a grown woman in this relationship, but you're actually dealing with that insecure child that's within them because of the growth that's being stunted. Mm-hmm. But once you understand, okay, they've experienced a lot of things, it kind of helps you to, to navigate that, but to not only navigate it, but to support that person through whatever it is that they're trying to deal with, right? Because that right. inner child has to be fed. They have yeah. to be fed the things that they weren't receiving so that they can develop appropriately. And it's going to take some time, right? Mm-hmm. But with your help, they'll be able to to self-regulate and to be able to begin to develop so that they emotionally could be that mature adult that their age says that they are. Right. But what they've experienced has taken away from them or has robbed them. And that happens even in school. Students struggle so much academically because for one um, developmentally, they haven't been given the things that they needed to do because they haven't been emotionally and, and uh, fed at home, you know, emotionally right. and right. socially fed at home. And so they struggle academically. They have those behavioral issues and they face a range of dis- different disparities in the classroom. And because no one is trying to figure out what has this child experienced or mm-hmm. what have they gone through, they stick a label on them or they put them in special ed without trying to see, or they say that they're right. a bad child, or they say they have ADD or ADHD, but what they really have is a failure to thrive because no one has poured into them socially and emotionally. No one has found out what has this child experienced mm-hmm. to be able to be this developmentally, you know, lacking. Right. And so that's why I wanted to talk about 
supporting those who have experienced adverse childhood experiences because there are 10 different things that someone could have experienced that gives them a score, right? And once they have this high score, that puts them at risk for not only these health disparities, but also academic disparities. Research says that uh, if you have four more ACEs, that you're going to have academic challenges and you're going to have behavior challenges in the classroom. Okay. So I'm not sure what Kirk's childhood was like growing up, but I'm sure he had struggles in class. I'm sure he had behavioral struggles. I'm sure he had academic struggles because he had a lot of aces. You know what I'm saying? Just from hearing that story, I counted at least four. Oh, yeah. At least four. Yeah. You know, and and when you have high number of aces, you have to kind of figure out, okay, so how can I support this person or how can I support this student so that the, the grown child or the grown adult in them comes forward and I don't keep having to deal with this immature child, you know. And I think that's why it's important to understand ACEs and to even understand to our listeners your ACE score. And so just so that I can give you kind of a roundabout um, way of trying to figure out what your ACE score is, I'm going to read the 10 questions from the ACE test, right? And so just think, wherever you're listening from, just think about these questions. And the questions are, if before you were the age of 18, any of these things occurred, give yourself one point for that. And at the end of the questions, that is your A score. Now, remember, if you have four or more, then you probably had some behavior difficulties, right? You probably had some risky behavior as a teenager, as an adult, or you probably had some um, academic challenges or just different challenges. But that doesn't mean that you cannot get some healing, right? That you can't come back from these things. So this is before 18. Before the age of 18. Up to the age of 18. Okay. So before your 18th birthday, number one, did a parent or adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down or humiliate you or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? If yes, give yourself one point. Number two, before your 18th birthday, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often push, grab, slap or throw something at you or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? If yes, give yourself another point. Number three, did an adult or person at least five years or older than you ever A, touch or fondle you or have you touch their body in a sexual way or B, attempt or actually have oral, anal or vaginal intercourse with you? If yes, give yourself a point. Number four, Did you often or very often feel that A, no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special or B, your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other or support each other? If yes, give yourself another point. Number five, did you often or very often feel that A, you didn't have enough to eat or had to wear dirty clothes and had no one to protect you? Or B, your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it. If yes, give yourself a point. Number six, were your parents ever separated or divorced? If yes, give yourself a point. Number seven, was your parent or caregiver often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at him or her? Or sometimes, often or very often, kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard, or ever repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes or threatened with a gun or knife? 
If yes, give yourself a point. Number eight, did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or used street drugs? If yes, give yourself a point. Number nine, was a household member depressed or mentally ill or did a household member attempt suicide? If yes, give yourself a point. And number 10, did a household member go to prison? If yes, give yourself a point. Now, at the end of this, the number of points you have signifies how many ACEs or adverse childhood experiences that you have had as a child before the age of 18. Now, I know some of these questions were very hard to hear or or difficult to even try, try to recall, but this tells you what you've experienced has a direct reflection on your behavior as an adult or your behaviors just in life in general, the risky behaviors that you may have, or even the relationships that you have with people. Because a lot of times if you felt neglected or you felt rejected in childhood, then any little thing that your partner or the person that you're trying to partner with does can immediately take you back to that feeling that Mm -hmm. you had as a child of being neglected or rejected. And it could be further from what that person is trying to do. Right. But you blow up because your body is, is feeling the same thing that you felt as a child. And so if that person has, has no knowledge of that or doesn't understand, then they don't know how to help you or even how to show up for you that doesn't make you feel like you're being rejected or neglected. Yes. You say adverse childhood experiences. So these are these are bad things that have happened. And just listening to the list, man, you think, wow, for somebody to have experienced multiple of these things, you almost just you have a right to be not okay right you know and you're trying to force yourself into a a mindset and a sense of normalcy when normalcy is not normal for you and so i don't know just navigating that is i I, the challenges of just navigating that have to be tough that, right. Kirk even spoke about if I didn't have music to work on, you know, during mm-hmm. this this traumatic time, he said I wouldn't make it through this. Yes. Being able to have my music is what helped me to work on. He was like, you have to have an outlet like you have right. to have something that you're doing that keeps your mind going, because if not, what you turn to is risky business, risky behaviors. Mm-hmm. Other people look at out at things like drugs and alcohol as outlets, and then they have, have a bigger problem that they have. Right. But for him, he chose music as his outlet, you know, as a way for him to be able to get through this. And I think back to when he had um, the struggle that he talked about with pornography, you know, mm-hmm. but I, when I think back to his struggle with pornography and I listened to what he said in the documentary, he talked about needing to find love, right? wanting to find love when he right. was a child, not even understanding if he knew mm-hmm. how to love himself correctly or if he knew how to, uh, to love his wife correctly. But you, when you think about people who talk about sex on TV and media, they say mm-hmm. making love. Right. That's all they that's all they project to you. They project it as that's what love is. Right. Sex. And so with a a person or a child like experiencing the things that Kirk experienced as a child, Mm -hmm. pornography to him was a way to find love. Right. You know, and and you think about just the different things, how children who get in gangs because it's a family feel. 
you know, right. because they feel like they belong somewhere, belong to right. something. I'm, I, if I could get the data from somewhere, I'm pretty sure that the majority of gang members have been neglected, have been yeah. rejected in some way, gangs, felt like they didn't belong in some type of way. Gangs are a direct replacement for fathers. Absolutely. Fathers provide a name. And with gangs, it's all about respect because I'm a crip, because I'm a blood. When I go some places, people don't mess with me because of the name that I carry. Mm-hmm. That's what a father should provide, that, that protection. If you mess with me, this is what's going to happen. And it's a direct replacement for fathers. That's why young men are, are typically drawn to gangs. Mm-hmm. Because it's, that's what they're looking for. So that, that absent father, that becomes the replacement. So you're absolutely right. And and another thing Kirk said that to me was so profound. He said when he did speak to the person that he thought was his biological person, right? He told him, he said, you know, I've been named the biggest gospel artist of my time you know I've been the first of this the first of that but because I didn't have you as a father in my life to tell me who I was to to express to me who I was I was always the most insecure man in the room and I thought that was powerful because people who do not understand who they are because of their experiences because of the neglect that they feel or because they don't have that person in their life that is their family member or even if they don't have their family members but they have a person who was considered um, their caregiver if they don't pour into them and let them know who they are as a person who if they don't call out who that that person is as a part like the goals not even the goals that you have set for them but the good things that you see in them that you call out of them like I see you as you know a, a professional I see you as an educator or I see yeah. you as an architect just calling out those things and letting these children who have experienced these aces know who they are then they will always be the most insecure person in the room so in essence when you strive to be that person that these children who have experienced aces needs you are giving them not only um, a sense of self of who they are but yeah. you're giving them a sense of security yes I, I remember a song by Lecrae and in one lyric in the song, he was talking about the, you, you complain about me running with the bad dudes. You complain about me ru- gravitating to the older guys who are up to no good. Mm-hmm. And he said, they said I'm good at bad things. At least they're proud of me. Yes. He was just looking for somebody to affirm him. There's a proverb that says that the glory of children is their fathers. Mm-hmm. The glory of children are their fathers. And if you understand what glory really is, glory is tied to a name. Glory is tied to identity. Glory is tied to authority, which gives you this sense of security about who you are. So we draw so much from, from father. So him finding his father, finding his real father, Mm. it's, it's a huge void. And I remember in one of Kirk's 
On one of Kirk's albums, there was a small, short interlude before a song, and he had Fred Hammond singing it. But the lyrics said, there's a hole in my soul that won't heal. There's a rage and a pain even now I can feel. Even though I'm a man, still I don't understand. But that's what happens when you don't have a father. Mm. This was years ago on one of his albums. He had Fred Hammond sing that. So this thing has been sitting with him for a long time. He's 53 mm. now. And now at 53, all of this comes out and he finds his father. That is huge. That, that is. is huge. And it's crucial to remember that addressing childhood trauma is not only about healing ourselves, but also preventing the transmission of trauma to future generations. Because not only is he now trying to heal himself, but now he has to go back and heal that relationship with his son. Right. Because this intergenerational trauma is now coming up because he didn't have this father in his life. And so by acknowledging the impact of ACEs and seeking help when needed, we can create healthier relationships and break the cycle of trauma within our families. Right. So I want our listeners just to understand that trauma sensitive approaches that you can have with those who have experienced high number of ACEs involves creating safe and supportive environments where children and even adults can heal and grow. It starts with understanding the signs of trauma and responding with empathy and compassion rather than punishment, rather than saying you did this, you did that, or, you know what I'm saying, just calling out the risky behaviors that adults have, but figuring out what have th- what must they have experienced as a child to now as an, a full-grown adult be having this behavior as though they were children. Schools and homes should focus on building strong relationships, providing predictability, and then teaching emotional regulation skills to to children and to adults just so they can help to heal themselves and not perpetuate this trauma or this intergenerational trauma throughout their family cycles. Recognizing the effects of childhood trauma and seeking support is a courageous step towards healing. And I think Kirk was extremely courageous for even taking on, you know, putting this out as publicly as he did. But it can lead to more fulfilling and connection to to his family. Now he has a whole father that he gets to connect with. Right now he's reconnecting with his son. Unfortunately, he's not connecting with his mother because of all of this. Wow. But at least there's connections that are being made. Mm hmm. Yeah, and if you do get a chance to check out the documentary, uh, the whole situation with the mother is is going to everybody that I listen to that's seen it, they talk about how hurtful it was to see that. But you have to go and witness it yourself. Absolutely. He spoke a lot about um, because he knew that he was adopted as a child and he knew his who his mother was. He saw her about two to three times a year. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, he said he had a different wound than most children who, who've been adopted because right. they've been adopted. They move on mm-hmm. and they have that wound there. But the wound becomes a scar. Right. So there's no right. more pain attached to it. But right. when he had to see his mother, those two or three times a year and then she would leave. He said the wound would just keep continue to be open yeah. and open and he continued to have these these this pain attached to it, like why am not I not enough to go with you, right? And so he never lost that pain from it mm-hmm. as a child because she was around. She just wouldn't take him with, right? There was that feeling of neglect and rejection right. and no feeling of belonging. 
But not only then, but now. She's still rejecting him by not telling him the truth about the situation or not acknowledging. And I'm sure it's out of shame or guilt or what have you. But at this point, doesn't your son deserve for that wound to be able to start the healing process so that there's no more pain attached to it? Right. And the sad thing is hurt people hurt people. I'm I'm pretty sure people dug into a story. There is a lot of pain in, in her childhood as well. And that's why it's so important for us, especially as adults, to to say the buck stops here, mm-hmm. to stop the cycle. If you have kids, deal with your kids in the proper way. And if you don't know the proper way to deal with them, educate yourself, learn, mm-hmm. find out the best way to deal with them because you want them to grow healthy. Um. I, I think about my mother and when he talked about being re-traumatized mm-hmm. because that that wound never had a chance to to heal because he kept seeing her. Uh, my mom was not raised by her mother. Her mother actually gave her to my grandfather's family and The problem was my mother would see my grandmother all the time. And my mother actually went to school with her sisters. So she would see her sisters at school and they would go to different places. She would go to my grandfather's family and her sisters would go with her mom. And so my mom passed when I was 19. It was almost 30 years ago. But if I could have that conversation with her now, Mm -hmm. knowing all of this now, knowing about ACEs, knowing how ACEs affect you, my mom, she died from diabetes. And we talked about how ACEs can lead to physical illnesses Mm -hmm. and diabetes was on that list. So, what if I could have still had my mother simply because she could have found points of healing with the mm-hmm. right information? That's why putting information out like this out is so important because you don't know who you could be saving yes. in the process. So if you are a person who you know you've experienced some things, you've heard, you took the ACE quiz and you see your score, talk to somebody right away. Yes. Seek help, get a therapist, do what you have to do so you can start to deal with this because you never know what you could be preventing long term. And because you heard the questions and you're a parent, make sure that you are protecting your children and not adding to their ACEs. Because if you know what, you're helping them shield them from, right? If you Mm -hmm. understand what the ACEs are, what the different questions are, making sure that you don't have your children in places or exposed to people who could cause them to have high number of ACEs or just, and I know you can't be everywhere with your child, but making sure that you're protecting your children so that they don't experience high number of ACEs, that they don't have a feeling of rejection, of neglect, of abuse, 
making sure that that they're not talked to in ways that they feel demeaned. Those things yeah. add aces to your children's life. And it really, yeah. really pains me when I go into a store, when I go somewhere and I hear a parent talking to their child yes. and demeaning them and putting yes. them down because I'm like, you're just adding to their A score. I'm glad you said that because I was going to say a lot of times when we think about protecting children, we think out externally. Yes. And sometimes the greatest protection they need is protection from your bad behaviors. Your bad decisions. Absolutely. So your first point of protection is disciplining yourself on how to behave and how to treat your child properly as just you you by yourself. Mm -hmm. Character is its own protection. And I tell people that all the time. We need to develop character as, as adults. We need to develop character because our character protects not only us, but it protects other people. So if you want to protect your children, a lot of times not them not seeing you or witnessing you or experiencing you doing negative things, saying negative things, whether it's to other people or to them, that helps them a whole lot more than worrying about what the next person is going to do to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. And before I give you the through the eyes of trauma takeaway, are there any final thoughts that you want to leave uh, with our listeners? I'm just glad this is being talked about. Um, I applaud Kirk Franklin for his courage and even putting his story out. Um, I know the album that's coming Father's Day that the album I know is going to be crazy good. So looking forward to that. But if you have experienced these things if you uh took the aces quiz and you notice you have a, a rather high score please seek help please talk to somebody and especially in the black community it's time out for us thinking it's taboo to actually get a therapist and talk to somebody about it so we can heal self-awareness is your greatest ally in this whole thing and what this information is doing is making you aware. It's turning that light switch on so you can now begin to identify and point out some things. But when you do, sometimes you're going to need help with it. So seek the help that you need so that you can heal properly. And that's all I have for it. Absolutely. And you spoke about his album coming out, Father's Day. But I want to give you some lyrics that he said um, as he was singing a part of um, they were recording. And he said... I will give up every trophy that I've won just to be somebody's son. Now, this is one of his songs called Somebody's Son. He said he would give up every trophy, every Grammy, every award that he's ever won just to be somebody's son. Now, that hit hard. I said, now, that song there is going to be a deep song on that album. So I cannot oh, yeah. wait until Father's Day comes out because I know it's going to be a blessing for those who have gone through or who've experienced um, the same things that he has. But with that, I will leave you with the Through the Eyes of Trauma takeaways. Number one, recognize that ACEs or adverse childhood experiences can have a profound and lasting impact on children's lives and on the adults' lives that they become. Understanding their experiences is the first step in providing effective support. Number two, implement trauma-sensitive approaches both at home and in the classroom. Creating a safe and nurturing environment is essential for healing and resilience for children. 
Number three, advocate for policies and resources that address ACEs systematically. Together, we can work towards a brighter future for all children, regardless of their past experiences. And number four, heal first, educate always. Thank you so much, Derek, for sharing your insights on this important topic. It has been an enlightening discussion, and I'm sure our listeners will find it valuable. Thank you for having me. Uh, please be sure to check out Man Talk Mondays on your favorite podcast platform. We have a lot of episodes, and we broadcast Monday nights at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. So if you're not doing anything, please check us out. Facebook. Check us out on our Facebook page, Man-Talk-Mondays, and just enjoy the time you spend with us there. Thank you. Absolutely. Make sure you go check them out, like, share, and subscribe that podcast. And also, if you enjoy hearing our podcast today, please like, share, and subscribe, and also leave us a review. Let us know how you like the Through the Eyes of Trauma podcast. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.